uh, today we are going to be talking about conflict. We've been talking about different ingredients that you need for healthy friendships and relationships. And so last week we talked about being vulnerable. You, one, of the, one of the ingredients you need in the recipe for friendships is that you got to be open and you got to be vulnerable. And, you, and that is risky and that is hard, but it is necessary to go from a shallow relationship to deep. And we've said friendships, they also, they don't just happen. You might have a connection with somebody, but it takes time. We've said that magical unicorn of a friendship that you're like, oh, we just connect and we just know each other and we just do things together and we hang out together. It, that, that doesn't just happen. And, and sociology would just back that up too and say, hey, you need at least 100 hours together to go from acquaintance to friend. And then if you want to go from friend to even like best friend, they're saying like 200 plus hours together. Well, that's just time together. But how you spend that time is also important. So we said in that time together, you're also going to need that ingredient of being open. You can't just go surface level for 200 hours and expect great deep friendship. At some point, you got to open up. Well, I'm going to say today, at some point, you got to fight. It is, it is necessary part of relationships to, to have conflict and, in a way, fight, but fight in a healthy way. Your spouse, who you love, um, they're not your enemy. All right, they are not, they are, they were not put on this planet to drive you crazy and, and load the dishwasher a different way or take care of the kids, or, or snore, or whatever that thing is. They, they are not there to, to uh, drive you crazy, but at the same time, I do believe God put them in your life to make you better. Because guess what? You are not perfect, and you have some flaws, and, and they are like a, a chisel um, uh, getting off some of those rough edges. In some ways, it's designed that they are supposed to get underneath your skin because in a way, God's designed you both to get better. Not happy, <laughs> although happiness is a good part of it. In fact, next month, we're going to talk about happiness and what that is. Um, but in these relationships, conflict is a necessary part of getting better. Um, Jesus said this. This has kind of been a running verse throughout all of our, our uh, uh, theme here. John chapter 17 He's praying a prayer, and he's praying with you and I in mind, because he's saying, all these future disciples of mine. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, the one with him in the room, but also who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you have sent me. So, Jesus wants us to be united together, and apparently how we do relationships is vital to the mission. The mission of, hey, God loves you. God created you. You have value. God wants a relationship with you. This is how salvation happens. And so he says, that the key to that equation working well is how do my people, my followers, get along together? And we know that this does not go very well. So we're spending several weeks on relationships, and we're going to spend a couple weeks on conflict, and how do we do that? Now, I, I, he says he wants us to be united, 
And so sometimes, like, I'm always dogging on the Cowboys fans, you know, and, and, and that sort of stuff today. Well, sometimes maybe we can't be united about the things that we like, but maybe, just for today, for the sake of f- some fun, maybe we can be united around the things that we hate, all right? So um, is there something that you are maybe against? You, I, I got a picture up here that maybe we can uh, unite against I hate you, Brady, anybody? Is, can we unite around maybe who we're against? All right, no, some of us, all right. <laughs> sometimes maybe it's not the things that we like. Maybe it's sometimes the things that we're against. Um, the idea of this whole series, I need others, you need me. But guess what? We are different. And in some ways, in many ways, we can be incompatible. And so a lot of times we will avoid relationships because of the incompatibilities. It's just easier. In fact, Mike, I'm an introvert, so I prefer to kind of walk this road by myself. It's how I'm wired. It takes a lot of energy to be in this room right now. It takes a lot of energy to strike up a conversation or go somewhere I don't know. And so I prefer this path. But if you are a follower of Jesus, if you, if you read the New Testament and, and how these believers lived it out, community is not optional. You, you cannot do all the, the one another's in the New Testament, love one another. Forgive one another, serve one another, care for one another, carry each other's burdens. You can't confess to one another. You can't do all the one another's by yourself. So it's not about salvation. This is more your purpose and destiny. You finding contentment and joy in your life, you finding purpose in your life is always going to be not in isolation. It will be in the context of community. And so we're saying we want to build community in here. Not just one or two best friends, but a village of people. And so as we've gone through this, we've talked about being vulnerable. Today we're going to talk about conflict. Ephesians 4.32 says, forgive one another. Forgive one another just as Christ forgave you. Now, we did a sermon a couple months ago on forgiveness. I would say go check out our sermons page and watch that if, if you want to, are struggling with how to forgive somebody who's hurt you. But the whole idea of forgive one another means you have to be close enough to somebody to get hurt. It, it, it indicates relationship, and somebody has wounded me, meaning I was close enough. Because some people can say one thing about me, and I brush it off. I don't care. I'm moving on. But you could say something about me, and because of the, the, the closeness and proximity of our relationship, man, that stings way worse. And so he says, forgive. What I want to do as we talk about conflict most of us, who's the avoiders in the room? Anybody? Like, hey, I, I'm, I avoid, I avoid, eh, I'm like, ah, I don't like it or whatever. Yeah, but a lot of us, a lot of us, you're even avoiding raising your hand right now because you're just like, I don't want to do this, all right? Um, I want us to embrace it, all right? I, w- I want to I flip it because most of us do this backwards, and I want to see how conflict can be a healthy and necessary and vital part to me having close relationships with people. It's an opportunity to grow, not only myself, but it's an opportunity to grow with that person. Think about it. To be able to to hold space with somebody who we had some friction with, and my default is to avoid, or my default is to walk, because who needs the drama? But to provide the security to say, no, I'm here with you. I'm not going anywhere. To provide that security in your, in your marriage, 
Like, Rita said something to me that really helped, and it has stuck with me, all right? And I'll pick on me, because I did something, and she's not happy with me, and she's voicing that concern or setting a boundary, and I want to get defensive, and I want to throw a pity party, and all this sort of stuff, which does nothing to build trust and security when I make it all about me, right? And she said, I need you, Mike. I need it to be okay for me to be upset with you, for you to not be my favorite person right now, and you not crumble. Can you, can you hold space and stand firm that you're not my favorite person right now? I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. If I wanted to go somewhere, I would be gone by now. I'm here. So she's providing a boundary, but she's also saying, hey, you can trust me here. That even though we're not best friends at the moment, I'm not going, we're going we're gonna to work through this together. What a great opportunity when you have that trust and anchor in a relationship. And I don't care if we're talking about marriage or a friendship to say, I'm here with you. We're going to journey through this together. I may be upset with you. I may be frustrated with you, but that's a passing feeling, and we're going to work through this. And because of that trust, we're going to be stronger in the long run. I want to embrace conflict. I want to deal with it in a healthy way. Now, the reason we also avoid conflict and run from it, because we've seen it, it destroys relationships, okay? It can build, but you know it can just wipe them out and be done and really cause consequences throughout the rest of our lives. So what's your default style? I don't know if you can see this very well. It's a chart, and it kind of uh, illuminates five of them. One is competing. My default style, hey, I'm going to win at all costs. Okay, I don't care. I'm just, just going to win because that's me. All right, some is a compromising. I'm going to look for, hey, you win a little, I win a little bit. Let's compromise. Some accommodate. This is me right here. I'm people pleaser. All right, that's my default style. Hey, I don't care, just whatever you want, and I'll just accommodate whatever is going to make you happy. Some of us, uh, we avoid, uh-uh, I'm just, I just dodge it at all costs. Uh, this is kind of where I want to be, collaborating. How can we work together? Not, not a, a lose-lose situation, but how can we win-win in this thing? That I like. Now, you may have your default, but I'm going to say none of them's wrong, none of them's right. It's not about right and wrong. There are moments in time where I'm sure you can be like, oh, I was a collaborator there. Oh, I was a competitor there. My natural is accommodating, but this was actually avoiding was actually the right thing to do. Like, given the conflict, given the situation, you might have to display certain aspects on that. But at least knowing what your default is is a good start. But then we also kind of mess this up. And real quickly, I want to I roll through this. We mess this up by fighting the wrong enemy. All right, I said earlier, your spouse is not your enemy, but neither is your boss, your coworker, your friend, your sister, your parents. Your kids, they are not the men to me either. Ephesians spells this out, couldn't be any more clear. Put on all the armor of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm in the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. You've got to understand, behind every conflict, behind every relational physical thing that you're dealing with, there is a spiritual battle that's going on underneath. So Rita and I, when we fight, all right, and we do fight, when we have relational issues, we understand underneath that, hey, the enemy wants to destroy us. 
We love our ministry here in, love, in Los Alamos. We love, uh, and this isn't our, like mine and Rita's, this is all of ours ministry, but just the fact that we're married here in Los Alamos, we love Jesus, and we want to spread the hope of God in this, in this town as a, as a couple. If that's you too, guess what? You have a target on your back. The enemy would love nothing more than to separate that marriage and that family and just get you totally off kilter on what you want to do. So we realize when we're fighting, hey, there's probably something else going on here and probably something that I need to work on. So one, we fight the wrong enemy because it's not the people, all right? Second is we fight the wrong battles. So often we fight the wrong battles. I went to a baseball game on Thursday, all right? And I love watching the Cardinals play baseball, but do you know that just because they threw a pitch at the catcher, the batters didn't swing at every pitch. Not everything that comes your way is something that you need to take a swing at. A lot of things, I would say like 95% of the time, it's a pitch outside the strike zone. Politics. Most of the stuff that you're arguing, that you, ah, probably not worth it. Things in, in, our, in, our, in our community, schools, just even within our own families, it's not worth it. And I would go on to say this, because in this town, we struggle with this. Even if the person is saying something, and they're wrong. Like, even if you are the subject matter expert, you wrote the textbook on the thing, and they are dead wrong. Let them be wrong. Like, you, you just don't even, like, they can just have it. Can you let them have it? Even, there are certain, okay, even in the political realm and things, there are certain things where you need to hold your ground, okay? But the vast majority of things, even the things that get you so emotional, that get you so defensive, and you just got to chime in, and you got to say, well, actually, that's wrong, and here's the right way. Just let them have it. And you go on with the rest of your day. A lot of times we are fighting battles that we shouldn't be fighting. And it gets us off course and it gets us divided. Another is stimulus and response. Too much stimulus and response. A lot of us, we're dealing with identity issues that we haven't healed from in our childhood. So she comes down the stairs and says, I'm freezing. And he's like, well, how can you be cold? It's 70 degrees in here. And she's like, why are you talking to me like that? Why are you acting like that? Why are you acting so great? And we're all at it. And he's the stimulus response. And all he thinks about when she says something is how he didn't add up or measure up when he was a kid. Why can't you be more like your brother? Why are you always acting like that? Why can't you get better grades, be smarter, be more successful? There's things that we haven't healed with, and we're doing stimulus response in our own family because we never dealed with our own issues. A lot of the conflict that we have in marriage, like this isn't just a marriage thing, this is a relationship thing, but as I was thinking about this, married couples, a lot of the issues, marriage issues that we have are actually single person issues that we brought into our marriage. They're not marriage issues. They're single person issues that we have. And we're going too much on stimulus response. Then tack on a few real problems. 
a blow to somebody's health in the marriage, financial crisis, job stress, unexpected loss, boom, there it goes. So a lot of this, when we deal with conflict, is us working on ourselves. And a lot of this, when it comes to stimulus response, is putting the pause button, getting a little space between us and our response, between us and our reaction, to choose who am I going to be and how am I going to respond in this. So I want to give you a little bit uh, today in our time left just on how do we fight these battles. If I'm going to confront someone else, next week I want to talk about when somebody is confronting me, all right, and we will talk about how to receive feedback or if I'm being confronted and how to deal with conflict when someone's coming at me. Today I want to talk about when you are the one delivering the feedback, or you are confronting somebody else. First off, we need to fight the battle in our ears, between our ears. James gives us a perfect example. If you wanted like a Bible verse on how to handle this, he says, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, typically, we get this backwards, totally. We are quick to get angry, quick to speak, and slow to listen, and it just jacks up the relationships. If we're going to have healthy relationships, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And it's not about being right. Again, I want to be right. I remember having a conversation with Rita one time. She was upset with me because of something I said. And so she came to me and said, when you said this, I felt like this. And in my head, I'm like, what? When I said this, you felt that. Like, how? what gymnastics did you do and flips and cartwheels to go from this right here to now you feel like this? Are you kidding me? No way. Like, what? I don't understand how you can do this. Now, this is the conversation in between my ears and my head. I was right. One of the few times where I'm like, no, I'm right on this. She's wrong. And then I got a two-by-four spiritually across the back of my head from the God of the Holy Spirit that said, Mike, it is not about being right. Because you can be right and be wrong at the same time. You can fight to win and still lose. Here's the reality. Here's the truth in this moment. And I'm so glad God taught me this. And I still got to work on this because I want to be right. And I want to express how right that I am. My wife felt like crap because of something that I said or did. I don't agree how she got there. But now I have the responsibility to listen to her in that moment and fight for her and fight for us and create some understanding. I could have easily said, well, that's dumb. And this is that. That's not going to help the relationship. I got to fight the battle between my ears to listen, to understand, even when I don't agree. And I can have that moment to share where I'm coming from, but it's unnecessary in that moment. In fact, damaging in that moment to go through that. So what do we do when we do have to speak up? Okay, because there is a time when we do. Number one, go to the person. Go to the person. This might be the best no, besides dropping 95% of the stuff that you want to argue about or get into it with or get dropping most of it, second thing, go to the person. 
If you are fighting somebody who is not in the room with you, that's a problem. If you are having the conversation and the argument, well, I can't believe you did this and you did, and they're not in the room with you, that's a sign, and you can't, if you can't let that go, then you need to go to that person. In my experience, i got to be careful because i only got a short amount of time, and this is one of my most triggering things. Because I get the email from churches weeks later or, or months later about how I didn't do this and you did this and neither. And I'm like, I had no clue. I had no clue. Scripture couldn't be more clear. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out that offense. But what do we do? We hold it in or we go around to everybody else talking about it without actually going privately to the person and, and, and talking to them about it. I'll talk about the how in a second because sometimes we do go to the person, but we do more damage than good because we want to be right or we tell them how they did it all wrong and, or we send a text or an email. Go to the person. Don't send it on text. Don't send it on email. Don't write it in a comment on Facebook. All right? These are horrible options on building relationships. You want friendships and relationships? I love you enough to come to you. Second is timing. Don't just go to the person. Deal with it soon. Bible says this. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. You got to understand. Unity is part of the key to the mission. The key to sharing the love of Jesus to our community is how well we get together and, and love one another and build these friendships, and build this relationship in the community. So, what's the enemy going to go after? Division. If I can get these people divided, then this mission doesn't work out so well. So he loves to use your anger to get a foothold in. Now, he says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. I don't take this literally, because if Reed and I get in a fight at 11 o'clock at night, I probably ain't going to settle it. I'm going to go to bed. The idea that I take from this is deal with it soon. Deal with it soon. The, the, because we avoid the confrontation, because we avoid the conflict, we hold on to anger, which plants seeds of bitterness in our hearts. So the more you hold on to it, the more you're just planting seeds of bitter, 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 and it grows in your heart. For Rita and I specifically, you got, we, we kind of have this unwritten rule. You got three days to bring it up, all right? So if she said something or I said something, you got three days to bring it up. Otherwise, you're the problem. Now, it's not to say I could just say whatever I want and she doesn't bring it up within three days and I'm not still have to like create some reconciliation, but it's like, no, you should have brought that up. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, says love keeps no records of wrongs. And so we're going to deal with it quickly. And personally for me, just my own personality, all right, going back to the, the sun going down, <clears throat> if I can sleep through the night and I wake up and I'm still angry, then I know I need to address it. But 95% of the time, 
I go to sleep, I wake up, and I don't even remember until 2 or 3 o'clock the next day that, oh, yeah, we kind of had that thing. That lets me know it's not a big deal. Drop it, move on. But I'm going to deal with it soon. You grow these seeds of, of bitterness in your heart. Have you noticed lately the trends in, in Disney movies and even other movies? The, there's no clear villain in the movies. There's only gaps in communication. Who you think is the villain? All of a sudden, eventually somewhere in the movie, they have a conversation with that person and you hear their story. And it doesn't make what they're doing okay, but you start to understand like, oh my gosh, now that I've understood them, now that I've had this conversation, I kind of see where they're coming from. And it makes a little bit more sense as to why they might be so rigid. We do the same thing. And when you don't go to the person and you don't deal with it soon, you fill in the gaps with whatever. Well, if they were just better, if they just had better parents, then those kids wouldn't be acting like that. If, you just fill in the gaps with whatever completes your story, your narrative, what you want about them. Bible says, one, go to the person. It says, two, do it soon. Don't wait. Three, tone. If another believer is overcome from, by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. That, that, the picture that it gives in the Greek is like a doctor mending a broken arm. So we just had a broken arm in our house not too long ago. They are not jerking that thing around. They are very cautiously and carefully and meticulously helping put the bandage on and wound. It is a, it is a soft landing spot for that person. It takes a lot of humility in this and a lot of grace. And the reason you want to be humble in your tone, the re when you are confronting somebody, go to the person, go soon, and your tone better be humble because one day you're going to need, you're going to need it. And someone's going to, your friend is going to confront you and you want them to, you need them to, but you want them to have humility and grace and love and all in truth. You want the truth, but it's got to come in truth and grace. Leaders, sometimes, here's what I do. I do this with my boys, all right? You want to create a safety net when you're confronting someone with the tone. So, with my boys, sometimes I want the truth from them, or I want to have a real conversation with them. So I'll start the conversation with, hey, listen, you are, you are not in trouble here. All right, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to set the conversation, the table with what this is not. This is not you being in trouble. Or, hey, you're an employee, you're not fired, okay? I'm not firing you here, you're not in trouble. There's no, I'm, just, I'm creating a boundary to say you're safe here. I'm just trying to do this. And leaders will know, they'll set the, the tone just by here's what this is not. But then other times, too, you got to lay down some rules that are below the belt when you're fighting, all right? So I got to, they're not up on the screen, and Reed and I kind of have these, but I share them with any couples that I do marriage counsel with. We're not going to call names. That's a below, below the belt, all right? You, you want to call a name or say something about that person, we're not going to call names, not going to publicly criticize, all right? It says go privately, so I'm not going to sit there and bash whoever publicly. That's a blow below the belt. That's not loving. Raising my voice. All right? Now, I, I struggle with this because in my house, we are loud. And whoever's loudest wins, right? But that's, that's a blow below the belt. I'm going to try to talk to you as a human being and a person. I'm not going to get historical. 
Love keeps no records of wrong. So these things that have happened in the past, yes, they happen, but I'm not going to keep throwing that in their face. You do that, that's a blow below the belt. That's not fighting fair. Never say never or always. You always do this. You never do that is rarely, if ever, true. And so I recognize that those are blow below the belt. That's not communicating love and not the tone that's going to help build this relationship. For married couples, I'm not going to threaten divorce. To use that as a threat against them. We're not, we're not going to go there. That is a blow below the belt in our relationship. And the last one is, never quote your pastor in the middle of a fight. <laughs> Keep my name out your mouth, all right? That's between you guys. You guys got to build this up, all right? Pastor Mark says, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. You guys are both going to shoot arrows at me. I don't want any part of that. No. Listen, what we do with this, and this might be a conversation you need to have with that friend or you might need to have with your spouse, is like, what is a blow below the belt for us? And what's a healthy way to fight and what's not? And the last one is truth. Like, we need to have some truth. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So I might have to communicate some truth. I'm going to do it in a way that's humble, that's graceful and loving, but it will be truth. And a lot of times I realize in these conflicts, there's, I got to own my side of the street because in a lot of relationships, like, well, she does this, or he does that, and if they would do this, and if they would do that, then I would be better. And, and in the, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe most of it is work that they need to do in the relationship. But I still bet, buddy, you got about 10% that you need to work on. So why don't we work on the 10% that you own on your side of the street, too? In any of these conversations, I realize I've got work to do, too. It's not always on them. So when I communicate truth, I'm going to say a lot of I statements, okay? Not you do this, you do this, you do this. I feel blank when this happens, when you say this. I'm going to start with me. Here's when you say this, this is how I feel. Help me understand. Different things like that. I'm going to start with there. The goal, as we wrap this up, the goal again, is unity. It's reconciliation. The goal in this is not to win, and this is the gospel. This is the gospel. Reconciliation. Jesus Christ came to reconcile a broken relationship. You and I, we are incompatible, but we are not irreconcilable. This is the gospel. God and I, we are incompatible. He's holy. Perfect in every way. I have probably sinned twice or more in this, in this sermon, all right? He is creator of everything. The best creation I, maybe is like a double-decker couch or something like that, Lego movie. He's all-knowing. I was the one that my, one of my high school teachers said, Brick, you're the dumbest smart kid that I know. Stuck with me, that hurt. Even though God and I are incompatible in almost every way, we are not irreconcilable. He loves me. 
He chose me. He chose you. He wants you. He wants the relationship. Forgive one another just as Christ forgave you. And so he gives us a blueprint on how to do this and how to, to go about this. Rather than fighting with people, now I'm fighting for one another, be it in my marriage or friendships. Most of us, when it comes to friendships, we walk. I don't need the drama. I don't need this or whatever. And I realize it takes two to tango. They got to come in a healthy way too. But I'm going to do my part. I'm going to go to them. I'm going to deal with it soon. I'm not going to let bitterness grow. I'm going to do it in a way that promotes them and builds them up and encourages them, even though I'm going to speak some hard truths into their lives. The gospel helps me realize that I can fight for people instead of fighting with them. Can we thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.